We have noted four metaphors in the New Testament describing influence. Influence is described with the metaphor of salt. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under foot of men. Matthew 5, verse 13. One's influence is described with the metaphor of light. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Matthew 5, 14 to 16. One's influence is described with the metaphor of leaven. The kingdom of heaven is likened to leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal until the whole was leaven. Matthew 13, 33. An influence is described as an epistle or a letter. Paul said to the church at Corinth, Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men, or as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, not with hands, but with the spirit of the living, of living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 2 and 3. There is no way to exaggerate one's influence, either for good or for evil. One man can have such an influence as to affect the whole world. Numbers of examples could reinforce this truth. Surely one that comes to every man is the example of Hitler. His very name sets our minds aflame with unbelief at the immeasurable, indescribable pain and agony and suffering and despair that that one man caused on the earth. There are just no words to paint on our minds a portrait that would do justice to it. One man. We shake our heads in just unbelief that one man's influence could be that weighty. And there have been others like unto him down through the centuries of time 
since the inconceivable tragedy of Genesis 3.6. Let us note one's influence on the job. We carry our influence everywhere we go. And one of the places where it shines either brightly in a positive way or darkly in a negative way is on the job. Honest work is not only a good principle, it is one of God's eternal principles. It was ordained from creation. It was ordained in eternity, but set forth in creation. Genesis 2.15, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Even in this perfect world, God, perfection, man, and innocence. A perfect man, a perfect woman, a perfect husband, a perfect wife, a perfect home, a perfect everything. There was work to be done. If that was the only text in the Bible addressing this matter, that's all that we would need press upon our minds the value and the need and the necessity and the beauty of honest labor. Genesis 3 verse 19, in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the earth. Paul said, let he that steals steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Ephesians 4, verse 28. There is no substitute for good, honest hand labor that brings man to the close of the day almost so weary that he can barely lift the fork of food to his mouth. So eager is he to lay his head in peaceful slumber. Now we command you by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that ye withdraw yourself from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor night and day that we might not be chargeable to any of you. For yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. And then he commanded the withdrawal of fellowship on this specific issue for any individual who would not labor with his hands in order to under the pillar of divine grace be able to take care of his physical needs and those of his family. Jesus was an example in all things and he was an example in this. 1 Peter 2 verse 21 encourages us to follow in the steps of Christ. 
And Christ manifested in his life the value of honest, hands-on, physical labor. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, said some in Mark 6 and verse 3. The Jews used to say that he did not teach his child a trade, taught him how to steal. What are some of the things that we need to practice on the job? Some of the traits we need to manifest, some of the characteristics that people need to see in us as we labor side by side in various types of employment so as to be in their sight, the salt of the earth, the light of the world, leaven that produces good fruit, and a letter Indeed, in action that one can read and have his or her life blessed. Christians must be honest. Let us note these passages. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Romans 12, 17. Let us walk honestly as in the day. Romans 13, 13. Providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 21. And that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Enabling us to do what? That ye may walk honestly toward them that are without and that ye may have lack of nothing, 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 and 12. Not only is honesty the best policy, it is one of God's basic principles of life. Honest day's work for an honest day's pay. If you were to replace the word servant with the word employee, with the relationship to the master as a servant, employer as an employee, this text would read the same. Ephesians 6, 5 to 7. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. We need to understand that on the job when we are as an employee, working for the master, the employer, the one who owns the business, the one who works hard to see that this employee can get a weekly check and pay his bills and feed his family and educate his children. Abraham Lincoln, when he was a young boy, worked in a grocery store. At the close of the day, as the sums of money were being added up, he recognized that he had overcharged one customer six pennies, six cents. When the doors of the grocery store closed for the night, 
He walked three miles in order to repay six pennies. No wonder he was early in life tagged with the description, Honest Abe. There was a mother and a son who worked for the same company. They would leave the same time and clock in and clock out. But the problem was there were occasions when the son did not make it to work on time, got involved in some other things on the way, and was late getting to work. His mother would punch the time clock for herself and for her son every time that occurred. I don't know what happened to that family unit, but there is every reason to believe that young man never rose to his potential because of that one act, dishonest act, that his mother did on a regular occasion punching in the time clock for herself present at work and her son late to come to work. It is not honest if we appropriate one single thing for our own personal use that belongs to the employer, belongs to the business without the employer's permission. Don't leave the employer's place of business with his pencil in your pocket knowing it's there. That's his pencil, not yours. His pen, not yours. It is dishonest to misuse a single thing that belongs to the business, belongs to the employer for your own personal use without permission. We need to be honest. We need to be just, fair, and considerate. This is a beautiful text. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and there is much of it, and any praise, and there is, think on these things, Philippians 4, 8. Because we are what we think and what we think we are. And by meditating and reflecting and thinking on these lovely virtues, they will shine forth in our life and we will be salt and light and leaven and a good letter with good news to the one who reads. Do you bear your share of responsibility on the job or do you try to shirk it Pass it on for somebody else to do. Are you willing to bear your share of the blame if it's necessary for something that goes wrong in the business? If a new employee is hired, do you put the dirty work on him? I experienced this in my first job outside of uh, cutting grass and throwing papers for six years. The first job in a place of employment. Quick check in Chisholm way back those long years ago. 
They gave me the dirtiest job in the grocery store. How do you try to get ahead on the job? By running over someone else. Manipulating and abusing someone else. Not being honest. We must be happy on the job. These things I have spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. John 16, 33. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Acts 2, 46. And there was great joy in that city. Acts 8, 8. And that's what happens when the gospel enters a city and shines its marvelous news in the hearts of people who long for it. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his heart. Acts 16, 34. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, rejoice evermore. Philippians 4, 4, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. No people on earth ought to have a happier disposition, a more happy countenance than members of the church that Jesus said, I will build. If you enjoy thorns rather than roses, looking at mud holes instead of stars, if you have a sullen, sour countenance, your influence on the job, everywhere else is going to be deeply negative. Number four, loyal to his convictions. The depth of one's convictions determines the breadth of his influence. In Daniel 1, 1 to 8, well known is the story of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego taken away from their homes, away from everything they had ever known, into a foreign country, serving foreign gods with a foreign language, foreign culture, and foreign everything. And yet, and these young men... Daniel in particular, probably around 17, 18 years of age, goes into captivity, and he's going to spend the 70 full years there. And when he was in the lion's den, he was not a young man anymore. He was deeply aged. And yet he refused to give in, as did his three friends, to the environment in which they lived. It's staggering to try to draw a portrait of those four young men in your mind in an environment like that who were so loyal and faithful to their convictions. They were not going to defile themselves with the fancy eating and wine of the king. They were determined to stand by their convictions. The world has no respect for a man who will compromise his convictions like Pilate did, washing his hands before the multitude. He was a coward. Men who move the world are men whom the world cannot move. 
There are occasions when Christians need to stand by their convictions on the job when it's difficult to do so. For example, if you're asked to contribute, now you wouldn't have problems like this, working at AP or working for Shelton or working in similar environments. But I worked my way through school working in environments that were not conducive to Christian living. I lost that first job in Chisholm because I refused to lie to the manager's wife in regard to his conduct with one who was not his wife on the job. That wasn't the last time I was fired, but that was the first time because I was trying to be faithful to the convictions that mother, my mother and father had sown in my heart. So you're not going to be asked to contribute to funds that you're conscientiously opposed to. And you're not going to be asked, working with people like that, to take a chance on an item that's being raffled, even if it's for a good cause, because the end does not justify the means. And you're not going to be tempted to participate in the annual Christmas party or New Year's Eve party where cocktails and childlike conduct is the order of the day. But if you're not working in a business like Shelton's or a place like AP or a similar situation, you're working in an environment that is run by non-spiritual people. You will often be tempted to compromise your convictions and laughed at if you do not participate. If you're going to be a great influence on the job, you need to be loyal to your conviction. Possess a good knowledge of the Bible. You will often be asked in an environment of work to participate in some kind of Bible discussion. You may be asked a question. You need to be answer, able to answer the question. You don't need to have to say like members of the church now do, well, I know it's in there somewhere. I'll, I just don't know where it is. Now, you may have to say that occasionally. All of us would have to because our knowledge of the Bible is not perfect. And we are learning new things all of the time as we study and reflect on divine revelation. But we need to study, show ourselves approved unto God so that we'll not be ashamed, but have an answer for a question. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, 1 Peter 3, 15. It's a great thing when on the job a question is raised about the Bible and no one knows the answer and someone says, hey, John, Sue, they're members of the Church of Christ. Ask them. Those people are known for their Bible knowledge. I'll guarantee you, most of the time, they'll have the answer to your question. Keep your temper under control. Ephesians 4, verse 26, be angry and sin not. There's a time for righteous indignation. But God says, don't let it cause you to sin. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. We spent a long time studying the book of James. I hope you remember the sermon on that subject just a little bit. Swift to hear, 
slow to speak, slow to wrath. Why? Because the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God, James 1, 19 and 20. Well, there will be words spoken, looks given, pressures exerted, and accidents occurring that could arouse righteous anger. But we need to remember the ancient proverb in addition to these passages, whom the gods would destroy, they first make mad. The best year-round thermometer is a warm, warm heart and a cool head. Maintain a high standard of speech. Shelton stole one of my verses here this morning in Matthew 12, 35 to 37. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things, an evil man out of the evil treasure, evil things. But watch your speech because you're going to give judgment and be judged for every idle word. And so James 2 verse 12 says, So speak ye and so do as they that shall be judged. By God, James 2.12. Let no evil communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may give grace to the hearer. We need to avoid telling and listening to improper speech on the job. Someone's telling a dirty joke, just stay away from it as much as you can. And certainly do not laugh along with the others who think that filth is funny. There was a very noble Christian woman, fine Christian lady who befriended a wayward girl who was stricken with a disease that was terminal. And she brought her to a place where she could find nourishment, rest, comfort, and love. Knowing that this young girl only had a short time to live, the woman asked her if she ever thought about God. The girl replied, It has not been hard to think about God since I met you. What a marvelous thing that would be if every member of the church could receive a compliment like that in view of his or her influence on the job or wherever else we may find ourselves. Do not obey the gospel. We encourage you by faith. Repent of your sins. Confess Christ. Be baptized into Christ. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Mark 16, 16. You've done that and straight away in penitence, confession and prayer, you can come back home and do that while we stand and say.
now I see the blood of the Lamb. Now I see the blood of the Lamb. Tears the blood of Jesus, the crucified one. Now I see the blood of the Lamb. He bids all nations look to him as friends of life and peace and offered pardon to all men who now accept his grace. Now I see the blood of the Lamb. Now I see the blood of the Lamb. It's the blood of Jesus, the crucified one. Now I see the blood of the Lamb. Please be seated.
Let's not forget that we will be uh, eating together in the back at the conclusion of this uh, worship service. Let's remember at 5 o'clock we'll have our training class and 5.30 we'll have our memorization class. Let's all be here for that if we can. Turn with me to number 289, 289, God and I. This is one that I don't think we have sang before, but it's not difficult. And we'll sing it now. It's to, to the tune of, um, I know the Lord will find a way for me. My God and I walk hand in hand every day. He gives me strength to always live the Christian way. And from sin to set me free, gave his son on Calvary so he can live eternally. God and I, my God is always very near and guides my way. I'm ready when he summons me to go or stay. There is no Oh, okay. Yeah, they're, they're coffee machines up there. This one here is broken. We need to find many copies. Wait, the one down broken. here is well, broken? Well, Nikki said it was. I don't know. But she well, said it I, was thought, I thought that Roy and Tammy did the bulletin this morning. They may have. I, I, something may be wrong. I, I don't know the whole story. Oh, she didn't okay. do that one up there, and it worked. So hmm. it's not real. Okay. So we just did it. Yeah. <laughs> 